everybody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And today we're joined by Leonora Cravota. Hello, Leonora. Good morning, Scott. So we have a very special uh, show lined up for you today. We have a special guest at the bottom of the hour, as we always have our guests at the bottom of the hour. Uh, today we're going to have um, the founder of Spectator.org, uh, his name is R. Emmett Terrell Jr., and we call him Bob. And we're going to be interviewing Bob at the bottom of the hour. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Um, today we're going to focus a lot on, and then we have a, um audio clip, uh, excerpts from the Tucker Carlson interview from Ken Paxton. I listened to the entire thing yesterday, and there was actually nothing to edit. I mean, Tucker did such a great job in interviewing Ken Paxton. Ken Paxton, who was who was basically muzzled, uh, basically wasn't allowed to talk. Um, he had a gag order against him. He wasn't allowed legal aid, as if a, a, you know, like if you're a murderer, you get a public defender. He couldn't even get that. They withheld his salary, even though he was acquitted. And these were the Republicans in the Texas House. With friends like you who needs enemies. And he explained a lot about what's going on in the Texas House. How a Republican majority House and Senate could actually cowtown or cowdown to kowtow kowtow thank you <laughs> i just wrote an article about kowtow i figured this was a subtle promo for your article about the kowtow yeah rodeo. over at aarp um, i'm going to share that information here in just a minute or down the road probably not even today so not just a minute <laughs> so so he he was he kowtowed they're kowtowed into the carrying the water for the Democrats. And a lot of people now are saying that Karl Rove is a Democrat. 
and that uh, the Bushes were globalist. And if you're a globalist, you're you're really a Democrat. If you're not America first, if you're not with us, if you're not first, you're second. <laughs> you know, I think Dale Earnhardt made that clear in NASCAR. If you're not first, you're second. So if you're not with the America first agenda, then more than likely you're not on the conservative side of things. And we've seen that play out all too often. So in any case, but... Now we're being overrun by, well, we're being overrun by the border, the southern border. But it's, it's, going into, it's going into another phase, it seems like. It seems like the influx and the migration is increasing. I think it has something to do with the 2024 election. I feel it in my bones. And so when you take a look at what Josh Shapiro from Pennsylvania is doing, where he's automatically, automated, uh, automatic uh, registration, motor voter for all, and you couple that with mail-in balloting, Ken Paxton goes into it with great clarity and says there's nothing legit about mail-in balloting. It's all about fraud. And he makes a great case, and he won many cases as it, as it relates to, to that. And it's obvious that there's no checks and balances, that the ballots are just sent out everywhere by the U.S. Postal Service. They're collected by ballot harvesters. They're filled out by ballot harvesters. They're dropped off by ballot harvesters wearing masks in the tens of thousands in drop boxes everywhere. And then they have to, they get to pick them up by the truckload and count, they count them only as needed. They count them after the election night results are in. And they're using CBP One apps and NGOs like Catholic Charities to catalog these databases of people, but they're now starting to streamline. The last couple of days, if not weeks, there's been several developments within the Bush, I mean, within the Biden administration that have enhanced and streamlined a pipeline of people that are coming through. They're going to start giving them photo IDs now before they ever step foot in our country. Why is that? Well, number one, they don't pay taxes the way you do. Number two, it's become quite obvious that the corporate greed and the corporate influence and the corporate political donations are translating into slave labor. And, and of course, sex trafficking. I mean, what, what in the world are the Clintons doing in Ukraine? They're doing the same doggone thing that they did in Haiti. And we know that that involved trafficking of people out of Haiti and now out of Ukraine. And frankly, it's always been that these Russians and Ukrainians, Ukrainians have always been a desirable demographic for the sex trade industry and for human trafficking. 
And then, of course, what we're doing in Africa and what we're doing in other developing nations where we're getting these this cheap labor and we're using them as slaves and the corporations need those slaves. You know, they need those extra workers. You know, um, for example, the building industry, the, the, the developmental building industry, mm-hmm. the, de- the developers, the builders of properties, houses, buildings, every one of their workers is a cheap labor worker that came across the border. And they profit from that. Their production costs go way down. Their biggest expense is salary. And they were having trouble getting people in this latte world that we live in in the G7 nations, if not the West in general, who gets their liberal arts degree from Wellesley and decides that they don't want to work and get their hands dirty at the same time. And they won't work for less than $20 an hour, even if it's to flip a burger. And so it's either sleeping at home in the basement sofa, playing their video games, which is, again, by design. If the government truly cared about the people, they would worry about the fentanyl coming through the southern border. They would also put a, put a, uh, a warning of sorts. They did it for cigarettes on these video games and how addictive they are. And they probably do the same with these social media outlets that have been controlled by our intelligence agencies and manipulated and misused and abused. It's the only reason why they don't actually enforce Section 230. It's the reason why we've seen such development out of Twitter and the ties and the inroads to the UN Communications Director and the NATO and Atlantic Council and uh, the CIA and the FBI and the Department of Justice violating your Fourth Amendment rights of search and seizure and your free speech, your First Amendment rights on censorship. But we're going to talk about illegals today and 18 million illegals don't have to pay taxes, but you do. 18 million illegals don't have to pay rent or mortgages, but you do. 18 million illegals don't have to get vaccinated. But you do. That's right. (laughs) Even if you're the most jaded Democrat voter, you should be outraged that Joe Biden is using your tax dollars to create a new welfare class that will have rights that you don't have. So we must deport the illegals and stop the flow of new illegals. The massive poverty they're bringing is unsustainable. It's impacting negatively your your children's education. Because they're infiltrating the schools and taking places away from American citizens. And your health care. And the health care. For what reason? Same reason, Same reason, yeah, same reason. Um, And your city streets. How about your um, safety? Right. You know, uh, desperate people will do desperate things. So I'm reading this thing. It says we have financially we we have to financially support the champions of the good ones. So here's the thing. 
Um, you have to also understand that they're taking our jobs, our entry-level jobs, and, uh, and the expense associated with <clears throat> all of these processes, the housing, the, the uh, supplemental revenue that we're giving them to help them pay their rent, Everything that we're doing is far more expensive than the $5 billion they balked at because of a border wall. Yeah. Think about it. They couldn't afford a border wall, the Democrats said, when Trump was in office. And yet they want to spend hundreds of billions of dollars on this nonsense. But that's because they didn't want a wall. They were, you know, decrying the concept <clears throat> of security. They were saying that we were, you were being uh, prejudiced, that you were being bigoted because you wanted a wall. And, you, know, they, you know, they were not pro- properly protecting the American people. Well, there have been nearly 18,000 Chinese illegal, illegals caught at the southern border this year. How many are spies? How many have gotten away? This is the purposeful infiltration of America and the greatest threat to our national security. Let's take a listen to this this soundbite here. We're we're very concerned about who the known gotaways are. These could be Chinese spies. 900% spike in Chinese national apprehensions. There are males of military age pretending not to speak English in packs of between 5 and 15. China? You speak English? Those almost certainly are the Salvatore. It's unusual. Before, we would never see this many Chinese nationals. We saw the firsthand number of Chinese migrants making the journey. You can't just have an open border inviting people directly from an oppressive communist dictatorship. Our country is being invaded. There has to be vetting. This shouldn't be controversial. They're being let go into the community because there are so many Chinese nationals. Why did you decide to come to America? Yearning for American freedom. Given the risk of spying, the fentanyl trade. And we have a severe national security crisis. Oh, absolutely. Wow. Absolutely, we do. Yeah. And um, so this is the kind of thing that we're dealing with. And I don't think Joe Biden cares. How about this one? He just wants to go to bed. Biden grants legal status to half a million Venezuelans. So... The 470,000 illegal migrants will receive temporary legal status, granting them work permits and protection from being deported. This news comes as New York City and Chicago have urged Biden to act. They no longer have the shelter capacity and are running low on funds to handle the influx of migrants. The facilities at the border to hold the newcomers have... Also maxed out. Over 2 million migrants crossed the border in 2022, and this number will be higher this year. The Biden administration needs to take serious action to help the cities dealing with the crisis and manage the flow of migrants into the country. Why is this current administration not taking decisive action? And so they they show this uh, video of just an influx of I mean, it's just a never-ending train, right? 
So, Justin, instead of securing the border, President Joe Biden is planning on handing out photo ID cards to illegal immigrants before releasing them into the United States. With, Will they be voting in our elections next? According, Of course, they already have. Of course, have. they will be. And not only that, but if they don't, their ballots will. Yeah. Because their ballots are going to be sent out, and they're going to get a ballot. And they're going to write it off as an error. Saying, well, they shouldn't have gotten the ballot, but, but, but you know, uh, they, were, they got caught up in the motor voter thing. And, and then the ballot harvester is going to pick it up, fill it out. They're not going to bother with signature verification, which is the only stopgap we have to mail-in balloting. According to leaked images obtaining by, attained by Fox News, the Biden administration will be handing out an ID card similar to the driver's license. The program will also allow illegals the ability to access access immigration documents through a portal. One former ICE official said the purpose of the program is to normalize illegal immigration. It's despicable. So with opposition in Congress, Biden issues memorandum granting new powers to the Secretary of State to provide $128 million in assistance to Ukraine without regard to any provisions of law within the purview. So he's skirting around Congress with immigration, skirting around Congress with regard to aid to Ukraine, which is insane. Um, And here we have this. So Biden, we're significantly expanding illegal legal pathways to entry so businesses can get workers they need. He said it out loud. Boom. Yeah. Haven't I been saying that for like ever? You've been saying it for a long, long time. This is slave labor, folks. So here, let's just take a listen to the horse's mouth. I mean it. I mean it. Don't you hate it when he says, I mean it. Well, because he's trying to sound like us folks. That's what that's about. I mean it. I really mean it this time. I mean it. First, we put in place policies that process people in a fair and fast way. Second, we're significantly expanding legal pathways for entry so businesses can get the workers they need. Families don't have to wait for a decade to be together. I've also directed my team to make a historic increase in the number of refugees admitted from Latin America. People fleeing violence and persecution who simply want their kids to have a better life. Next week, my team will consult with Congress on this plan. Third, we're supporting states and cities that have seen a surge in immigrants. We've developed federal experts and deployed them to help train city workers. Couple of problems there. Putting federal experts into the same sentence is an oxymoron. Absolutely. Number number two, isn't it the reason why we have governments in every country that makes it possible that, that, you know, a a government in another country handles the the people, you know, takes care of the people in that country? You take care of your own house. And then... You know, and yeah, it's like houses in, in right. A, you protect uh, your you protect your own family. That's the, that's the analogy. The mom right? and dad take care of their own children. Right. They don't they don't have to protect the entire neighborhood. Exactly. And 
Thank you. That was brilliant. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And um, <laughs> that was good. You, you uh, sized it up very quickly yeah. for me. So Benny Johnson says, I mean, he just said it. Replace American workers with cheap foreign labor. It's all by design. It's all by design. And we've all known about it for a very long time. So this is interesting. And, He's just now saying it out loud. Yeah. And um, yeah. And, and oh, here's the worst part. Check this. Check this part out. Nine city leaders are expressing shock after an NBC5 Investigates report we aired yesterday. We are waiting for records that show where the millions being spent on migrants is going. Some records we did receive show employees working at migrant shelters have made more than $135 an hour. NBC5 Investigates Bennett Haberly is here more with what you've discovered, Bennett. Yeah, Kate and Alex, imagine making almost $200 an hour. These invoices show it has happened at the privately run shelters housing migrants. Today, I talked to aldermen who say they've been asking for receipts as well and had no idea of the figures until our report last night. These invoices obtained by NBC5 Investigates show employees of a private company, Favorite Staffing, which run the city's migrant shelters, have made at least $135 an hour, in some cases more. In one invoice, a facility manager made $14,000 in a week in December. Another invoice shows a nurse earned more than $20,000 in one week. Those figures do account for overtime. To see invoices like that are disgusting. They're outrageous, and they should be cause for an, investiga an immediate investigation. Do you have an accounting for all the dollars you're going? Uh, no, we haven't been, and I think that's uh, the big concern that came up today was that we're willing to accept federal dollars, we're willing to give dollars to these issues, but we need to see where every penny is spent. NBC5 investigates filed public records requests three months ago. Well, you see, um, you know, that's no surprise that there's no audit or no record of the funds. And, you know, that's the same kind of thing that's been going on with the ballot harvesters. Yeah. Where, where is all this dark money coming from? And it's coming from global globalists and corporations. And the corporations are told what to do. You know, you got Larry Fink over at BlackRock. Here's what Larry Fink has to say about controlling behavior. You, you now make You'll do what you're told or you won't you won't be part of our network point of that's a, that's an investment criteria for you well behaviors are going to have to change and this is one thing we're going to we're asking companies uh, you have to force behaviors and at blackrock we are forcing behaviors 54% uh, of the incoming class are women we we added four more points DEI. in terms of diverse uh, employment this year and it will if it, it's you know what we are doing internally is if you don't achieve these levels of impact if your compensation could be impacted okay we're doing the same thing. and so it's just it, you have to force behaviors and if you don't force behaviors whether it's gender or race or just any way you want to say the composition of your team you're going to be impacted and that's not just not recruiting it is development as ken said and ultimately it's still going to take time but i am just as much shocked as ken is that we have not force change and that's what that dei is all about and that's why we're seeing trans and lgbtq and black lives matter flags everywhere and stuff like that 
It's this indoctrination um, and grooming and conditioning. It's and, trying to make you used to seeing it. Yeah, but it's also like we're seeing it in Netflix. We're seeing it in Hollywood. And again, if you're a Hollywood actor and you don't push vaccines and, and mandates and and restrictions like, like Tom Hanks and Jennifer Aniston and Sean Penn do, then you'll be blacklisted. And because the people that are financing the change in Hollywood, the people who are forcing change in Hollywood are guys like this Larry Fink guy. It may not be directly out of his pocket, but he finances the companies that are actually financing the movies and financing Netflix and financing Obama, now you have who to sits on the board of Netflix. Line. You have to toe a certain line yeah. or you don't work. And finances Valerie Jarrett, who's on the board of Lyft. Yeah, and don't. so... So the point is, and you get five stars if you're a good citizen, and if you you, you it's get it's all part of a greater uh, strategy. On. It's all it's all part of Big Brother. Absolutely. Well, it is almost that time where we're going to have our special guest today, and uh, today we're uh, very pleased to have on the Scott Adams Show a the founder of the Spectator Spectator dot org. The American Spectator. The American Spectator. And his name is R. Emmett Terrell, Jr. And we like to call him Bob. Bob, welcome to the Scott Adams Show. It's uh, delightful being here, even at this early, early hour. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we had to convince him to come to come on the show. And as many of our listeners know, I write and work for the American Spectator. And I've sent many people my articles. I've sent them samples of the magazines. And here is the man that started it all back in 1967, Bob Terrell. And Bob, I want to start off by asking you about this fantastic new book, which I have read cover to cover. The title, How Do We Get Out of Here? How did you come up with How Do We Get Out of Here? What's the significance of the title? Well, I actually didn't come up with it. Uh, Bob Kennedy came uh, came up with it in 1968. Uh, He and I were in a a vast auditorium. I was behind the curtains. He was in front of the curtains, and he gave a great speech. And when he was done with his speech, turned, ripped the curtains back and, and looked at me and said, how do we get out of here? <laughs> I, good line. I could use that for something. And 55 years later, I used it for the title of my memoirs. Well, you know, I, I, I've had an opportunity. There's a little more to the story, actually. Uh, he thought I was either a security man or some sort of official. And, he, and I was only 22 years old. And uh, I, I, I said this way, and we went off to the right. There was no exit there. Went off to the left. There was no exit there. I was getting kind of anxious and went back to the left again, and there was his car down at the steps. So I led him down to his car, put his hand out to shake hands with me and thank me. And I, decided, and I thought, I was thinking about this on the way to the car, I had a Reagan for President button in my pocket, and so he reached his hand out to shake it, and I put a, a, the Reagan for President button in his hand. He looked down at it, he laughed, I looked down at it, and I laughed, and four weeks later, he ran into 
a person who wasn't so funny. Wow, that's a that's amazing story, and you know that was that came at a time when, um, and I think the Kennedys were great about this actually, as is Bobby Kennedy Jr. is today. Uh, I think that they are able to cross the aisle and uh, make make good deals, um, but uh, that was at a time when when Democrats and Republicans could actually talk to each other, wasn't it? Yeah, they did, uh, and in fact. Uh, uh, Reagan, Ronald Reagan, uh, and uh, Bob Kennedy had had debated before the uh, the inauspicious event in which he he shook hands with me. Well, you know, uh, the title of your book is uh, "How How Do We Get Out of Here," um, but the subtitle is what's catchy: "Half a Century of Laughter and Mayhem." At the American Spectator, and from Bobby Kennedy to Donald J. Trump, and of course we've come we've come a long way since then, and it's been a long journey. Uh, there have been many great stories in the in the Beltway um, that you've been involved with, and uh, you know the dirty tricks or the 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 political gamesmanship is um, something that um, has changed quite a bit over over the years and over the decades. Uh, one of the stories you told in a speech you gave uh, at some gala was a funny story about how you uh, you um, uh, played a little bit of a trick and got some media attention. Do, do you recall what I'm talking about? Well, I, I can tell you this. I was reading my notes in the book, for the book uh, last night, and it occurred to me that this book, I, I have six pre- American presidents in this book, six, and there are six pictures of them with me uh, in the middle of the book. Um, and there's one president that, that, that was included, was the president of Russia, uh, not the present president, but Boris Yeltsin. Uh, he was, and I got to meet Boris Yeltsin, and I thought he was a very charming man. Of course, he was drunk at the time. He had a drinking problem. <laughs> and a drinking problem. He could never get enough of the stuff. Yeah. But um, at any rate, I, I just thought I'd add there, if anyone wants to see, hear what uh, the, the presidents, uh, George W. Bush, George H. W. Bush, of course, Ronald Reagan, uh, you, this is a, cl- a collection of uh, essays on... on on, uh, pre- on American presidents and one Russian president. Well, Bob, when you were mentioning the list of presidents, you left off the name, the one that really put American Spectator on the map, Bill Clinton. You know, so back in those uh, days when Hillary was still wearing a headband, it was a, a real pivotal moment for the American Spectator. Can you tell us what it was like when you came out with that big story and you were hesitant to publish it? Can you share that moment with our listeners? I was never hesitant to publish it, but some of my staff was hesitant <laughs> to accept checks from me for a long period of time. Um, well, we we were the first. Tom Wolfe said it was the most momentous uh, piece, the most momentous magazine piece published in the 20th century. And that 
piece was a piece that that um, identi- identified the troopers uh, and identified the troopers that served as pimps for Bill Clinton and um, and the rest and and the the the, the uh, treatment of women that was had been accepted as uh, possible and legal and all of that ended with that piece. Uh, we it was called the Troopergate piece, and uh, we revealed that Bill Clinton had screwed around with women and 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 and. and uh, uh, in a most uh, slanderous way, and th- that was, I suppose, the, the beginning of this all this 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 uh, war against well, not war against women, this war against philandering men. And I uh, I joined the war with with the women that were abused by Bill Clinton. His cheating heart, I believe, is the name of the chapter. Yes, <laughs> well. Yeah, and I uh, and I um, we didn't get any awards for it. Uh, it's amazing how many people said it was a, it was a, a salacious and should have never been published. Well, if it hadn't been published, I don't think these women that are are, are, are protesting harassment of them, they would be would have gotten to first base. Well, you know, the book is fascinating. If you want, if you want to learn about uh, the history of Washington and a lot of the things that went on, there's no better book to read than How Do We Get Out of Here? Because uh, you've actually spent time in the Oval Office with every president since Reagan, other than Obama, and you also knew personally President Nixon. Yeah, I did. After, after he was retired. And I found him to be a most engaging conversationalist and the most engaging man. Uh, and I think his his re- reputation is being reborn. I mean, he was a real president. The president we have now is artificial president. Right, right. And you actually got to spend some time in the Trump Oval Office. In fact, I've seen the the photograph that you have of your whole spectator team. Uh, Trump had, uh, had uh, spent some time with with the spectator in the Oval Office. Yeah, but the, the, the time I spent with uh, Donald Trump before he was, he was well, uh, before he was uh, President of the United States is most interesting. I wrote some speeches for him uh, and uh, got to know him pretty well and uh he was the, the story i have about him in the book is that he was a different man back before he was elected president he was a likable man he was gregarious uh, he went to one of our galas and put on a good show had a good time but he couldn't as he got as he as he came into the white house he couldn't. He couldn't do what Ronald Reagan did so well. Ronald Reagan would soar over his opponent. Instead, Donald confronted his <clears throat> opponent, and uh, it was, he, it's turned him into a different man than he was. 
That is kind of that is kind of an interesting. That's a very uh, interesting observation because, uh, you know, one of the great Reagan lines was when uh, he was, I think, debating. Was it Benson or no, 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 not Benson? Uh, when, when he um, he played the media off and he just sort of, uh, you know, his uh, age and experience. Right. I was, right. Who who was he? I think he was. Oh, yeah, it not, was Mondale. 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 Yeah, yeah. Mondale. Scott, yeah. Scott, Scott had a, blame, a brain blank at the moment. <laughs> well, the, the, Benson, the Benson line against Quayle was, I knew John Kennedy. Denny, you're, you're, no John Senator, Kennedy. you're no John Kennedy. But yes. uh, Reagan, when he said uh, about his age and experience. Right. I'm not going to exploit Mondale. my, uh, candidate, uh, my opponent's uh, age. Yeah, that's but, what Reagan did so well. Youth and inexperience. Yeah. But what I really enjoyed about the book, Bob, was how politically incorrect it was how you said things in the book that people nowadays would be told they, they can't use that language that they're um, they're harassing somebody or they're taking somebody out of a safe space but that you, that you didn't care about any of that and that you were able to just do what you've always done which is just say it out as it is call the situation exactly the way it turned out and, and that's what people one of the things that I believe readers will take away from this book that we all have to be honest and report things just as we see them. And that's what the American Spectator has always done. And that's what you have always done and have done masterfully with this book. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I had a lot of fun. I had, it's, a, it's a book about a... I, I had a lot of fun living the life. And I had even more fun writing about the life. Yeah. Wow. Well, Bob, thank you so much for spending some time with the Scott Adams Show. I uh, want to remind our listeners that they can go to spectator.org and find links to how they can go about buying this book. Of course, this book is available everywhere, including Amazon. Um, It's entitled, How Do We Get Out of Here? Half a Century of Laughter and Mayhem at the American Spectator, from Bobby Kennedy to Donald J. Trump by R. Emmett Terrell, Jr., and we want to thank you, Bob, for uh, spending some time with the Scott Adams Show today. Now can I go back to bed? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) We'll talk to you later, Bob. Great. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Well, that that book is a fun read. Yeah, it's it's definitely a fun read. If you like politics, you'll love this book. A lot of inside stories and a lot of uh, personal uh, anecdotes, so it's very engaging. Well, we are going to uh, get into a little bit of, of, I wanted to share this clip from Epoch Times uh, as it relates to an explanation of the World Economic Forum. They're doing a bit of a spotlight on um, this globalism that's plaguing the world right now. And uh, it's really an us against them type of situation. And uh, of course... When people listen to this show, they're going to get a dose of anti-globalism. You because think? We, uh, we believe that globalism is the root of all evil. We think it's the root of the politics in general. We think it's the root cause of open borders. We think it's the root cause of DEI, ESG. We think it's the root cause of the scamdemics and plandemics. We think it's the root cause of Big Pharma exploiting their opportunities. We also think it's the root cause of climate change, and that's what ESG is all about, environmental social governance, or DEI is all about, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, 
And we're going to listen to this uh, three-minute clip. It's, it's quite good. Let's take a listen. The World Economic Forum is a place where they say the quiet part out loud. In fact, throughout the years, the Davos elite have made some, you can say, highly disturbing statements, which really don't get the media attention that they deserve. And in fact, when you piece all these individual statements together, you wind up with an overarching theme. The total control of humanity using the media, science, and technology to reshape democracies and form something like a global government. Now, granted, that might sound very conspiratorial. However, let's go through the nine most dystopian things that are currently being pushed by the World Economic Forum right now, and then you can decide for yourself whether it's conspiratorial or not. And also, I'd like to give a big shout-out to the Vigilant Citizen for putting a lot of this research together. And now, let's start with number nine penetrating governments. According to statements that have been made by Mr. Klaus Schwab, who is both the founder as well as the current head of the World Economic Forum, he appears to perceive democracy as an obstacle to a totally globalized world. In fact, in a report titled Global Redesign that was released in 2010 by the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab wrote that a, quote, globalized world is best managed by a self-selected coalition of multinational corporations, governments, including through the UN system, and select civil society organizations, CSOs. Which, quite frankly, already sounds like the total opposite of democracy, but he actually continues, quote, Governments are no longer the overwhelmingly dominant actors on the world stage, and that the time has come for a new stakeholder paradigm of international governance. Now, you might look at that statement and you might say, you know, it does sound like he wants to achieve a one-world international government. But so what? It's not like he can actually achieve it. Except for the fact that in a speech that he delivered to Harvard's John F. Kennedy School of Government back in 2017, Klaus Schwab openly admitted what has been described as a conspiracy theory for many years now, the fact that his organization is penetrating governments around the entire world. Take a listen. And I have to say, um, when I mention now names like Mrs. Merkel, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. But um, what we are very proud of now is the young generation like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, Pres of uh, Argentina and so on, that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was a at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau and I know that half of this cabinet or even more half of uh, half of this cabinet are for our actually young global leaders of the world economy right. form and that's true in argentina too wow yeah sorry that's true in argentina as well it's true in argentina and uh, it's true in france now mm -hmm. i mean with the president with the young global leader meaning that up on stage in a recorded speech klaus schwab openly bragged about how Angela Merkel of Germany, Vladimir Putin of Russia, Emmanuel Macron of France, Justin Trudeau of Canada, as well as about half of his cabinet, were members of the World Economic Forum's Young Global Leaders Program. And so given statements like that, it's not too much of a wonder why the Transnational Institute described the World Economic Forum as a, quote, silent global coup d'etat to capture governance. <laughs> there... There it is, folks. There it is. Uh, yeah. I think they had some problems with their technology. They were awfully loud. <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, that's when you have those lavalier mics. Yeah, and they, you know, when they have to be turned way up, and as soon as they touch even like a chain or a tie or or or, or piece of, like your lapel, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a uh, it does that. All right, um, here we have this guy. Um, we're gonna actually. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a Ken Paxton 
We're going to take the whole Tucker clip, and I'm going to play it in one of. I'm going to put it together for an entire Scott Adams show. Um, maybe you know if I have to take a day off one day or something, I'm going to put this together. And um, over over the weekend, I think I'm going to run it, and also. <clears throat> Uh, I'm going to use it as maybe a filler show one day, but uh, it's something that we have to hear. Now, the Tucker interview, I think, is a must listen to. So you can go to YouTube and listen to it. You can go on Twitter and listen to it. But, you know, um, one of the things is you need to listen to the whole thing because there's no there's no real cut areas like you can't. There's no wasted area. The whole thing is good. And then there's another speech that Ken Paxton put out as to really the why he was persecuted. Now, he was acquitted, but this man was wronged. And the similarities between what Biden did with the Bushes and the Karl Roves against Paxton and what Biden has done with, again, the Paul Ryan, Karl Rove wing of the Republican Party. Remember, it was Karl Rove and Paul Ryan that fi- they have a super PAC and they financed a uh, ad that promoted Josh Shapiro into power in Pennsylvania. And they did it under the guise of going after a Democrat in uh, Fetterman, I think it was. And that didn't work out too well. Fetterman, you know, is... Uh, going into the Senate in gym shorts and a hoodie. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's absurd that he's allowed to do this. Now they're talking about a dress code. Changing the dress code, bringing it down. <laughs> but Fetterman has no business there. And he beat a cardiologist, uh, a heart surgeon, right? You know, I mean, Dr. Oz, right? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I mean, we lived in Pennsylvania. They're not that stupid. There's a lot of election fraud going on, and that's how we're getting these crazy monsters into power. But Josh Shapiro just came out this week and basically automated registration. So when you get your driver's license or your ID, they're going to basically say, well, he presented his ID because he got his license. or he The ID that we issued when he registered was the ID that was presented. You see? Yep. Never mind the fact that the illegal is getting an illegal ID and has no business being registered, but they're going to do it. And the U.S. Postal Service is going to commit mail fraud on themselves and send all these ballots out. But let's take a listen to this one. Speaking in 2015 from Malaysia, former Malaysia Prime Minister talks about globalism. The subject is... The new world order. It is about having a... Remember the Bushes were big fans of the new world order. World government. We should abolish all states, all nations, all borders, but instead have only one world government. And that world government is to be by certain people, elites, people who are very rich, very intelligent, very powerful in many ways. They are the ones who will govern the world. There was not much talk about democracy. 
or choice of leaders. Instead, there was to be a government by these elites who will impose their rules on everyone in this world. And for those who are unwilling to submit to them, there will be punishment. So, we find that already there is a new world government enforced with powerful military forces and a willingness to subvert and undermine the governments of all countries. Politically, we see them urging every country to undergo regime change, except for those who are already submitting to them. There must be regime change so that all governments in this world would submit to this world power, this world government. And if you refuse to change your government, you will be persuaded through propaganda, through actions including invasion and occupation and the removal of the head of that government to be replaced by one that submits to the most powerful nation. In other words, the one who will accept the concept of a new world order. But that is not all. We find that if you are recalcitrant, you don't like to conform, then you may have sanctions placed against you. We see already countries like Iran and Russia facing the application of sanctions on their trade with other countries. We see all kinds of subversion taking place, undermining our moral values to the extent that we become helpless unable to do anything. And the peace that we will get from this is the peace of the graveyard because the intention also is to reduce the number of people in this world. At the time when the new world order was enunciated, the population of this world was only 3 billion. The intention was to reduce it to 1 billion. Now the population of the world is 7 billion. There will be a need to kill many billions of people or to starve them to death or to prevent them from giving birth in order to reduce the population of this world. This is what is in store for most, for those who will suffer and die, there will be the peace of the grave. You know, it kind of made me think of, uh, um, you know, there are uh, two certainties in life, death and taxes. Absolutely. Right? Uh, hang on, let me just, okay, we, I think we had some issue with the mics. But uh, in any case, they, the people who are supporting depopulation know that every, everybody, the certainty is death. You're, everybody dies. So what they want to control is the births, the, the reproduction. 
And one of the ways that they get to that point is they promote same-sex marriages. Right, because they cannot reproduce. That's right. Yeah. They adopt. And that, that's a, that adoption uh, is an automatic redistribution of population. Exactly. Which is what they're always about. They're always about moving populations around as if they're people. And in fact, we heard Joe Biden today in, in a clip earlier where he basically said, said it out loud that we're going to move. We need more workers. And of course, he's saying that to the corporate sponsors of his agenda because the corporations want the cheap labor, the builders and, you know, the hospitality houses, the gig economy. You know, people just aren't willing to work. But what the socialists have wrong is that this is only going to add to inflation because when you disrupt the natural order of things in capitalism and you start to engineer outcomes with equity, um, you're bound to fail because Mother Nature and capitalism are like the most natural uh form of uh, truth, and that is in the path of least resistance is usually found by water flowing down a stream. It finds the path of least resistance. It's natural. It's the natural order of things. Water finds its own level. And when the government gets involved, they disrupt that natural order of things. And it's sort of like that movie Back to the Future where if you change the root of of your origin, uh, you might erase your future. You know, like those the photograph. But the that, photograph of the family, they kept getting smaller and fam- everybody kept getting more faded. Yeah. And uh, so you have a bunch of nonsense. I have an audio clip, for example, that uh, you know, has John Kerry saying that basically we have to abolish the agriculture in order to protect our food supply (laughs) (laughs) talk about an oxymoron yeah and um oh it's just absolutely absurd there's so much more we could talk about but uh of course we're out of time always we run out of time um but uh i want to thank everybody for tuning into the scott adams show and be sure to check out org. find out how we're advancing america first policies to make america great again uh, also, make a donation to support that America First policy agenda, uh, because with that support, it helps keep the Scott Adams Show commercial free, and it goes a long way in helping sustain the Scott Adams Show. So uh, that is always appreciated. So um, also use Red State over at mypillow.com. With that, my name's Scott Adams. My name is Leonor Corotta. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye, everybody. Yeah.